0: He's the God of the impossible. As we've been singing that, I actually feel like there's some people in here who God has put a dream inside of you, and it has felt like it's impossible. Or it feels like there's things holding you back. And and, and I feel like there's actually someone in here. You have a heart for youth, and, and, and you don't even know how to take a step. And I just want to challenge and encourage that sometimes... W- when God put that in my heart, I just went and volunteered to set up chairs. And, and I feel like there's people in here, you have a dream and a desire when it comes to business. God's put something inside of you that has been burning and sitting for a while. And I feel like God is saying, it is not impossible. And so, as we keep singing this, um, there, there's some of you, you have a heart for seniors and you just don't know where to take a step. There's these little dreams that have been sitting in your heart and in your soul for a while. And I feel like today God is saying it is time for you to take a step. It might be a small step and you don't know what step, but God is saying take a step because he is the God of the impossible. And we're going to we're just going to sit here for a couple seconds but God is making a way. And we have to, in faith, take a small step. I feel
1: like God is touching on something this morning about destiny and how we get there. And uh, I've been meditating all morning on the seeds. And I, I wrote this down, and i was saving it for later. But this is what I want to say. Is nobody coming across a beautiful flower bush Commends the dirt. Let me say that again. Nobody coming by a beautiful flower bush commends the dirt. The dirt is the incubator of the seed. It's not really, it doesn't have the power of life to create seed or produce seed. It can only incubate. And what God is saying to you, to the lives that have only ever brought forth thorns and thistles, He's saying, I hear prophetic words over lives, destinies, things he's saying. Out of you will come this and this and this. And if all you've ever seen is thorns and thistles out of your life, you think, no, that can't be. I just can't see that happening. But you credit yourself too much. You are not the one. God is saying, receive the word of promise. Receive the word of destiny. Begin to incubate that promise by believing it. So, Father, we say today in Jesus' name, we will neither fault ourselves nor credit ourselves. Father, when the, when the enemy sowed uh, bad seed into the field and it brought forth the wrong harvest, Father, we didn't credit the field. We didn't credit when it brought forth good harvest or bad harvest. But we say today, Lord, we receive the promise. We break the pessimism. We break the unbelief. We break those things that say, no, I could never do this. I could, that could never come from me. We are made from the dirt, and whatever God puts in us can be brought forth. So we will not say never. We will not say never. Come on, grab a hold of this. Grab a hold of this. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Je- There is no limit to this. No limits. No limits to what God can do. No limits. Your intelligence, your condition of life, your talents, your gifts, your background. No limits. No limits. No limits. No limits. limits. Spirit come. Then I looked and I heard the voice of many angels around the throne the living creatures, and the elders. And the number of them was 10,000 times 10,000. And thousands of thousands saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power, riches, and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing and every creature which is in heaven and on the earth and under the earth and such as are in the sea and all that are in them are heard saying blessing and honor, glory and power be to him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb Blessing and honor, glory and power to him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb forever. For two thousand years, we've been praying your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, because that is the intention of God, to transform the earth, to resemble heaven. And that's why it says in Revelations, the spirit and the bride say, come. Over the generations of the church, we are seeing an incremental rise in the response of heaven to the worship of the earth and to the preparations on earth. We see this pattern in Israel when Moses went up to heaven And was shown a pattern of a building, of a structure. And he was commanded to go and create the tent of meeting. And he said, build it, be careful you build it according to the pattern. And when it was built, the glory of the Lord came and settled on the tent of meeting. And there was a cloud by day and a fire of pillar by night. And then later on, we see uh, Solomon building a permanent structure. And uh, he builds it. And we know what happens. It says the day that it was completed and the day that they dedicated it to the Lord and Solomon prayed. And he said, Lord, let it be that when your people call on your name, that you would turn your face toward us. And it says, Then the glory of the Lord fell on that place, and the priests could not even stand. The glory was so thick. This is unto an outpouring of the knowledge of the glory of the Lord that covers the earth as the waters cover the sea. And what we're moving towards is an incremental rise in the knowledge of the glory of the Lord, which is essentially the response of heaven to our preparations. But here's the thing. God is not looking for a physical building. He's looking for hearts that are prepared. He's looking for lives that are filled with him, that are bowed to him, that honor him, that glorify him, that do not hold back. And he's looking for those lives to be knit with other lives. So that habitations like this, expressions of the people. Worshipping together can be a place that his presence lands to demonstrate to the rest of the world. Where he's not landing that this is what I want. This is what I love. And that's what it says. It says he poured out the spirit on Jesus because he loved him because he loved his law what's the end of this thing we are being prepared we are we are being the master builder through his apostles and prophets and leaders on earth is preparing the body of people to such a degree that he's going to say, now it's finished. And the fullness of his glory will come on a people on the earth. And the earth will respond. So we want to say, Lord, we are your workmanship. Do in us what you can. Now, just the other day, Kim Wheeler, they just returned from uh, a couple of weeks ago from Guatemala. Kim was away and they had a. Kim, don't sit down. Kim Wheeler. Is, <laughs> and they. He's, he had a meeting this last week in, in uh, Regina. No, Saskatoon. And a tremendous miracle happened. It's a beautiful story. But I want him to tell the testimony.
2: Yeah, it was glorious.
1: It was it was actually presence of the Lord is very
2: similar to this, you know, and I don't know about you guys, but this was beautiful. Yeah. This is this is the the, the glory of the Lord, us coming into the presence of the Lord, and we go from glory to glory to glory, right? But uh, I don't know about you, but I was putting on my lipstick. Because I'm in love with a man. <laughs> confessions of a missionary. It's okay, his name is Jesus but uh, for me anyway for you it's Jesus but I've been hearing his footsteps come closer and closer and closer and he's ready to walk the aisle here for us and we, we better put on our lipstick because it's that close but on Wednesday just on Wednesday I was doing a quick quick tour th- through Saskatchewan Just uh, and on Wednesday night um, in Saskatoon I was ministering and the place was packed it was beautiful but as we you know the worship of the Lord just wonderful and then I started to preach minister and and 20 minutes in all of a sudden this girl but a 15 year old girl comes running up the aisle I thought she was going to come and tackle me or something that's what it seemed like but she came and jumped into the arms of Pastor Terry I mean jumped right in he was sitting down and I mean, we, I just kept preaching. There was just this beautiful thing. But something broke while she was doing it. She started to bawl, a cry. I mean, not just like a sob. I mean, it was like all out, as loud as you can be crying and sobbing. And she's grabbing Pastor Terry. I thought she was going to break his bones. You know, it was like, that's what it was like. And uh, it was just, it was beautiful. And, you know, it didn't miss a beat. But it only just enhanced the presence of the Lord in this. Well, later at the end of the service, uh, she, she came up and she gave her life to the Lord. Along with several others, but she was one of the first. And after the service, I asked Pastor Terry, so, so uh, wow, that, that, was, that was really powerful. There was something very special in that. And I asked her, I said, who is she? He goes, I haven't got a clue. Never seen her a day in my life. <laughs> I mean, that made it more, even more. Well, then we found out the story. And the ushers sh- shared that she came into the church about 15 minutes before she came running up. And she was pacing the floor in the back, just pacing. And all of a sudden, she came running up. And her story, she shared that when she was just walking by the church, she's never entered a church a day in her life. She was just walking by the church. And something, a presence, she said, or something just... Compelled her to come in. She she was outside five ten minutes, not knowing should I come in? Like what? Why? And but she forced herself in, and she came. And you know that's what the presence of God does. It compels the world and others to come to the Lord. But but and then at the end of it all, she gives her life to God. Never been to church. Never knew God. Nothing in her life. And and I mean that is so beautiful.
1: Amen. Yeah, you know, the interesting thing, he didn't mention this part, but, but Kim was preaching, so she didn't, she didn't observe anything that was going on before. She didn't know who the senior pastor was of that church, but that's whose arms she jumped into. That's who she was drawn to amongst all the people that were in the front. She runs. It was just just a God thing. This this is the kinds of stories that we've heard about in times of revival. and more than that, Charles Finney used to carry such a presence. he would when he was going on a train, not even stopping in a town, but there're towns that he would just drive through in the, as a passenger in the train, and the presence of God would fall on the town and people would get saved that's that's a token of what's coming and the question for us becomes what is the light that we're sharing with the world is it a form of godliness is it an obedience to a bunch of rules or is it the presence of the Lord The God of the universe who so so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Father, I pray, we pray today, Lord, that we could align ourselves, we could be aligned, we could allow you to align us in such a manner that your glory would come on a place like this. Like you fell on the temple like you fell on the tenth of meeting like you fell at Azusa Street like you fell in South Africa like you fell in Wales Father we want more of you and one one, one last thing and I've shared this before but this there's we got some new people so if, uh, that's why I share my stories over and over but You know, it says that, that Jesus is returning. What is he waiting for? He's waiting for things to be prepared. We had the queen of England come for a visit and uh, Brent Mottershed was a part of a provincial government thing. He was in a sign shop, but right next door was the paint shop where they had fabricated and painted these chairs. It was, they made, I don't know, it was it 15 chairs for the queen's visit. I mean, all, there was a, there was a book of specifications mm-hmm. as to how high, how wide, the arms, the, the materials, the wood, everything. Just, I mean, a book describing. If you're going to host the queen, these, there's a myriad of things that need to be done. One of which is you have to build these chairs, which never were used in case we need them they have to be of this order that's a that's a temporal queen the list the preparations the months of work the man hours that went into pre- preparing for that visit and maybe you don't understand monarchy in that sense but god is saying i'm coming are you ready I'm coming. Have you made preparations? You know, in the name of coming away from legalism, we have, because it used to be they say, you know, when you're coming to church, you're coming to meet the Lord. And we would say things like, you know, if you're meeting the president, would you would you come on time? Would you come dressed in your worst clothes? Would you would you be, uh, you know, telling jokes in the back of the room while the president is speaking? You know, all of these things, right? And yes, there's a form of legalism and there's a form of false honor that can creep in where the sum total of all of our of our giving is outward and really it's for others. And we've been moving away. We've been moving away from that legalism and that pretentious false appearance. But it doesn't negate the fact that when we come here We're actually doing something important When we come to worship We are attempting to host him And a part of the expression Is God, I want to humble myself I want to be obedient Now what does that obedience look like? All kinds of things But it starts with a heart a heart that is not recalcitrant, is not it's not drawing back, it's not resentful, it's not difficult. It's eager to please him. We have this you know, and I say that because and again, I I don't want you to move ahead of your capacity for obedience right now. But sometimes sometimes we're unwilling to honor him the way he deserves to be honored. But well, it's, it's just a service. It's, it's just a meeting and as if I'm going to get all excited because Pastor Mark wants a picture of excited people around him. I don't, I don't know what your thoughts of what our motivations are, but we're not here to whoop you up. We're not here to create an emotional hurrah. We're here to align our hearts so that there's nothing in us that is resentful of his coming and that we align to his coming and we align quickly to his coming that we don't have to be goaded we don't have to be threatened we are happy to lord what do I? the bible says lift your hands i'll lift my hands the bible says dance oh i'll dance well if the lord tells me to dance i'll dance no you won't Father, Father, we want to be ready to respond to you. The Bible says that do not be drunk with wine. It says something about dissipation, which I can't remember what that means. It's a nice old English word. But um, it says, but be filled with the Spirit. Now, why would the Apostle Paul liken being filled to the Spirit to being Drunk with wine, because the evidence in scriptures—that's what happens—is that when you're filled with the Spirit, you tend to lose your inhibitions. (laughs) You lose that reluctance. If oh, uh, you know, the reason I don't, you know, worship in a flamboyant manner is because I'm an introvert. God doesn't care if you're an introvert or not. If you get filled with enough of the Spirit, you will dance. You will hoop, you will holler, you will frolic, you will roll on the floor, you will swing on the chandeliers. You will lose consciousness that there might be a camera on you because all that matters is Him. When you are filled with the Spirit, you lose, you lose the sense of what's important to you and you enter into a moment with Him. That's why He used that analogy. So let me put it to you, not, not because were, you know we got scorekeepers, but how filled are you? You know, if we took pictures of you during this worship time, would you be suitably embarrassed? <laughs> or did you hold it together? God doesn't want us to hold it together. He wants us to pour it out, pour it out, pour it out, pour it out, pour it out. <laughs> He should be the only dignified person in the room. He should be the only person who's image conscious in the room. He's the only one that deserves for things not to be uh, to be about him. Everybody else has to make it about him. See, this is the pattern again we see in scripture, which David intuitively knew. When he was bringing the ark up, which was represents the presence of the Lord, and he is the king. He's accustomed to being the big man in the room. He's accustomed to everybody else bowing and everything revolving around. What does the king want? What does he want for lunch? How do I speak to him? What? How? You know? Do I curtsy? (laughs) Like what? What do I do? To so he he as he's bringing this ark up, he strips himself of all his dignified clothing of all his royal robes he, he brings it down he's nearly naked in the estimation of his wife who doesn't understand this kind of abandonment he is veritably naked they say, and she's mad here you are parading yourself you know making a show oh it's gotta be about David again can you feel the resentment there <laughs> and he says it was before the Lord that I humbled him myself, that I was undignified. And I will be even more undignified than this. And just to rub it in, you know, it was before the Lord who chose me over your dad. <laughs> so maybe maybe get rid of your family culture and follow me in what I'm doing. So we're all on this journey. We're, we're 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 moving forward in our capacity to let it all out to give it all to him and i'm not saying be fake but i'm saying be aware that there is a demand of heaven be aware that god is holding himself back until the temple is ready god touched me no get ready Do what you can do. Well, I can't do everything. No, but do what you can do. Do what you can do. I said lift your hands. Can you lift your hands? Well, okay, I guess I can lift my hands, but I don't like to do it. Who cares? Again, again, yeah, we could make a show of things, and we can make church this culture where we don't want anybody to think we're not really worshiping, so we're doing it for that reason. But that's on you. You don't have, that's not the only reason. That's not the only motive. In your heart, you got to break through the other things, the fear. You got the fear of judgment, the fear of doing it wrong, the fear of looking not auspicious or not. Uh, there's another word. Anyway, now this wasn't my sermon, but but this this is a sermon. You know you know why this is important. I want him to come. Yes. I want him to come. Our city needs him to come. Our city, I mean, people caught up in darkness, people whose minds are snared by demonic powers who are giving themselves to demonic spirits right now who are being visited in the night, who are being entangled. I'm telling you, they're, there are people who need the manifestation of the glory of the Lord in this city. And God has chosen to work through the agency of his people. But if we're timid in our expressions, if we're half-hearted in what we're doing, how do we expect him to come? He's, he's holding himself back. He says, no, they're, they're not paying attention. I deserve their attention. People need the Lord. Kim was just telling me of a story of uh, how his parents used to bring in unsaved people who were fresh out of jail or in difficult circumstances. And one day, they walked into the bedroom and there was a young man that was living with him. He was levitating on the bed. He was asleep. That didn't just happen in India years ago. That didn't just happen in Egypt when the sorcerers were operating in, in deep, dark, real, authentic sorcery. It's happening right now. And it's growing in its influence in our nation Grabbing the minds of the next generation. And that generation will not be delivered or be broken through to by pithy little Christian sayings or mottos. You know, I, I mean, it's great that we, we have to do certain things, you know, to, for our Christian teenagers. But let me tell you, having a, a movie night where we, you know, with a little prayer afterwards is not going to change the community. We need the glory of the Lord. We need breakthrough power. We need the presence of God. We need miracle signs. Wonder working power is what we need. What we need. You, you may not need it. You may be be able to live the rest of your life and serve God and continue to be morally somewhat pure, but the world around us needs a higher manifestation of glory or they will remain in darkness. And we are the ones that are responsible for the administration of the kingdom of heaven to our community. So we need something more. And so we break the lie today that says, oh, you know, whether I fully participate or not doesn't matter. We got the dancers up there. They're, they're really sh- giving her. I'm not talking about mimicking intimidation. I'm talking about worshiping, honoring, loving the Lord your God with all your strength, all your heart, all your mind that is the biblical standard so let me ask you do and it, let me tell you this is the challenge not just for you for me too do i love the lord with all my strength for asking you what all your strength loving the lord what would that be like well i don't know let's look at your life when you play sports and you really go. It's obvious to the onlookers that you're doing it with everything in you. So when people come in and look at us, am I doing this with all even if even if in a quiet moment. Why well, do I I don't have to be, do I have to be loud? No, you don't have to be loud unless we're being loud. Then you should join in. But it starts from inside. It starts with, 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 ah, oh, I want you with everything inside of me. But here's what the Lord challenges me with: Mark, that's easy to say, but how bad do you want me right now? Do you really want me with everything? And that's kind of obtuse language. Well, how do we all want with everything? Watch your kids. When they want something, they don't keep it well hid. (laughs) You see what I'm saying? It's obvious when they really want something, they're not shy about that want pulling on your mommy 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 is it time to eat now mommy time i'm hungry mommy mommy i'm hungry mommy Mommy, i really want to eat just wait i just gotta do my makeup no mommy i'm really hungry are you ready now just sit there be quiet okay are you almost done are we there yet kids are full-hearted that's the part of being like children that we're called to be full-hearted I believe God is looking for places to land. We have prophetic words. I'm gonna do this, I'm gonna do this, I'm gonna do this, says the Lord. And we're thinking, yeah, we're waiting. And he said, no, 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 you misunderstand. I'm waiting. I'm waiting for a place to do this in. He's looking for hunger, desperation. And here's, here's the biggest challenge for us. If you've been Christian 10 or more years, you settled into the Christian lifestyle, chances are the most heinous, worst kinds of sins that you know, you used to be a part of in your life are probably not dominating the way before. And it's like, yeah, I think oh, I'm doing pretty good. I'm, I'm fitting in. I don't want tragedy to be the catalyst for motivating your heart to seek him with everything that's in you. I don't want us to settle for mediocrity. I don't want, I, I want us to rise to his desire. And when the Bible says he looks to and fro over the face of the earth for those whose hearts are, is, is perfect, is full toward him. We want to be a people here in this community that meet that desire in God there's very few things you can do for God but you can give him all your strength all your heart all your soul all your mind in worship and in love towards him (sighs) ah I have a choice I guess you can stop coming here <laughs> go to a church where where uh, you're never asked to stand or do anything but I don't want to have that kind of reluctance I don't want to have it and can, I, can I confess something good my wife's not here was here the Lord is after places in me reluctance stubbornness and there is there were things that I just no I'm not doing that I'm not doing that I'm not doing that and you know they're not serious things, but it's just this prevalence of this willfulness in my life. In the last two years, the Lord has said, yeah, that stuff there. Because it's around things that aren't important, you know, to the kingdom. They're natural things. But un- Mark, what if your unwillingness there was a reflection of an unwillingness to bow to me? And God is dipping into parts of my life that's enlarging my capacity to love him. But they're totally unrelated to the service that I render to him in the context of ministry. But I've realized that they're connected to my heart and therefore they impinge upon my ability to worship him and honor him and love him fully. I want to say yes I want to say yes immediately I want to respond to truth right now so let's do this today let's let's say to the Lord God work in me find the reluctant places find the rebellion in me find the places where I've said to you this far and no further and cross those lines Lord cross those lines because i focused on some things that i think are most important but you said i want it all i want it all what's that song we sing that he will have it all 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 he must have it all I believe a generation of people, irrespective of their individual personalities or bents or background, are going to be transformed and conformed into his desired outcome like no other generation has. And I don't want to be the one that stands out as being unwilling. And I know you don't either. Father, move by your spirit. Father, move by your spirit. I feel the hand of the Lord resting in the room. Moving like a wind in the room. Coming up to the doors of our hearts and knocking. Intimating that he wants to advance his work inside of us. And so we say, God, God, deliver us in such a way that we can respond to you without reluctance. Supernatural God. You know what? I'd like us to do this. I'm not going to preach my sermon, This Was It. Whew. Right? But I'd like us to sing that song. Set me as a seal. And i like us to stand up. Don't look around at others to see, oh, I wonder if anybody's changed their posture. Worry about yourself, worry about your own heart. Okay? But we're going to sing this song because Jesus is coming for it all. And he deserves it all. And what we're saying, and we're saying this, not I'm perfect, but God, you know, quicken the pace of your work in my life. I'm willing. Even if you know I'm not willing, God, help my unbelief. Let's do that. Thinking about David again and how when Samuel came to his father's house. Now keep playing, guys. Don't don't stop, don't slow, don't step back. I want the same intensity that you just had. He came to his father's house because he was sent there by the Lord. And I want you to think about all the older brothers who didn't get chosen, who didn't understand what it is that God was looking for. Because you might think, well, they didn't really have a choice. No, they did have a choice. Because up to that point in their lives, they were not being prepared for this moment. They didn't understand what God is wanting because they were never really seeking God. But imagine, had they known 20 years before that they could have set their hearts to seek the Lord and God could have changed their heart. But instead, he overlooks those seven brothers or however many there was. And at the end, the prophet says, is there another? These guys are not ready for what I want to bring. I'm talking about authority. I'm talking about wealth. I'm talking about influence. And he said, do you have another? Right now, the eyes of the Lord are looking to and fro over the face of the earth. There are millions of Christians that he's looking at. I don't want him to say... No, not these. Is there another? I don't want him to have to go out to the streets and the byways to those that aren't even saved right now to do what I could have been prepared to do. But that has always been the case historically. He said, I will call a people who are not my people because the ones I chose and I called did not make themselves ready. They got in the door and that was good enough for them. I don't want to be an in-the-door kind of person. I want to say, God, God, get me ready. 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 God, get me ready. God, get me ready. Get me ready for harvest. Get me ready for heavenly gifts. Get me ready. Father, we want to say today, ring the bell, sound the the alarm of urgency that would cause us to not waste any more time. It doesn't take much, it doesn't take much. It's little things in our lives, little moments, where we choose one thing over another. That's how it starts. God, help us. Oh, well,
2: I, I, I sense this is God is giving us a, a, do, a an open door right at this moment to go to another glory. Uh, it's a, it's, a, it's a holy moment. It's a solemn moment. I, if you hear what the Spirit is saying and doing in the presence of the Lord, there, there's a sense of urgency. And those doors aren't always there for us. There's these moments with God that He comes and He just opens. He says, you touched my heart. You touched my heart. What do you want? But, but He sometimes, he's, He doesn't ask us what we want. He says, but I've, you've touched my heart. This is what I want. And you're ready for it. And he there's an open door. Right now he opened a door. And we as Mark said, we have to walk in. But when we walk in right now, there's we have to release some of these reluctancies in our lives. These things that are re, that we're we we have not really given to them. This is a opportunity to go to another glory. This doesn't come often. It doesn't come often. And you all, I, I believe every one of you, you have these little things in your brain right now, in your mind. Oh, am I ready to do it? It's that saying, yes, Lord. You don't know what it's going to happen. I don't know if I can do it. I don't know if I can do it, God. But God says, just trust me. Trust me. Release it to me. Walk through the door. Walk into that other level of glory. And he's He's. Preparing that glory for this church and for us as individuals for what is about to come. It's for what is about to come. Let's prepare our hearts right at this very moment.
3: This feels really relevant to what I've been walking through this past year. He's been showing me things in my own life that need to come down, and I'll give very specific examples. Um, there was a Friday morning, I came to prayer, and I don't often go, but I had two people tell me that they loved me at the end. Ben told me that he loved me, and Di told me that she loved me. And do you know what I did? I smiled at them. Which, when you talked about that being a reflection of, of how we relate to the Lord... And I can 't get it out of my mind. why couldn't because I do love them, but there was a block in my mouth, and I just couldn't say anything, and I do love you. And then there's another thing that he's walking me through with being able to touch people because i've never I 've never been one to give hugs, but he's shown me this gap, but it 's not been easy it's actually been quite painful. But I see that conquering these crappy things in my life actually takes me to a new, a new level. And it's hard to see because I'm in the midst of it right now. But I, even me standing here, being brave like this, this is where he's taking me by helping me to fight these things in my life. And being able to speak out up here because I am a fearful person. But he is making me brave this year. All because I have decided to touch people. All because I have decided and seen these things. And I, I'm ready.
1: Thank you, thank you. You know, what she's sharing is basically this. Because it's not like, it's not like we're not doing things for the Lord but here's the problem we're doing what we want to do for the Lord and when Cain and Abel were faced with those same options God asked for a sacrifice and Abel gave God what he asked for and Cain gave God what he wanted to give him Cain said this is how I will serve you I decide I decide what I'm giving you no, 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 no that doesn't pass in my world. Because when I ask you for something, I'm advancing something inside of you. And when you say no, you say no to everything. You say, when you say no to me, you say no to everything. So that's the line he's saying. Don't give me what you think I want. Don't use your religious, cultural background, even your understanding of Scripture to say, well, this is a reasonable offering when I go for your heart I want your heart when I want this particular expression out of you if it's responding to somebody else's love that's what I want because that becomes the barrier to my grace in your life and if you got so much pride you'll give me everything but that one thing I'll tell you what I want I want the one thing I don't want all the rest Cain you could have given me all the fruit in the world I didn't ask for fruit I ask for blood I break the power of that religious mentality that feels settled by rendering to God what we think we want to give him and not what he wants Father break it in us break it in us right now break it in us break it in us God should be good and happy I'm tithing what more should he ask What is the thing you think is satisfying him? Uh, Let me tell you, he's not satisfied. He will have it all, if not now, later. But you're better off to do it now. No bars hold. Can you say amen? This is the journey we're on. I've been in this thing over 40 years now, and I'm still finding places of willfulness but I want to be free. I want to be a vessel for the light of God to shine through. You know, we could go on and on with this. There's so much, but we're going to close now and just embrace the process that you're in. Amen.